Two longish Bible readings this morning, for which I slightly apologize. The first one is the last little bit of the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, reading to verse 4, and to chapter 4, verse 11, which is the end of the book, which I always think ends somewhat abruptly. Everyone knows the story at the beginning of Jonah when he refuses to do what God asked him to do and takes a ticket for Spain. Obviously, there was no travel restrictions in those days, or so Jonah thought, and he ended up back where he started. So here was Jonah back on the shores of the place he'd come from, and once again the Lord spoke to Jonah. He said, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to the people the message I've given you. So Jonah obeyed the Lord and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to walk through it. Jonah started through the city, and after walking a whole day, he proclaimed, In forty days Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. So they decided that everyone should fast, and all the people from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth to show that they had repented. When the king of Nineveh heard about it, he got up from his throne, took off his robe, put on sackcloth, and sat down in ashes. He sent out a proclamation to the people of Nineveh, This is an order from the king and his officials. No one is to eat anything. All persons, cattle, and sheep are forbidden forbidden to eat or drink. All persons and animals must wear sackcloth. Everyone must pray earnestly to God and must give up their wicked behavior and their evil actions. Perhaps God will change his mind. Perhaps he will stop being angry, and we will not die. God saw what they did. He saw that they'd given up their wicked behavior. So he changed his mind and did not punish them as he said he would. Jonah was very unhappy about this, and he became angry. So he prayed, Lord, did I, didn't I say before I left home that this is just what you would do? That's why I did my best to run away to Spain. I knew that you are a loving and merciful God, always patient, always kind, and always ready to change your mind and not punish. Now then, Lord, let me die. I'm better off dead than alive. And the Lord answered, What right have you to be angry? Jonah went out east of the city and sat down. He made a shelter for himself and he sat in its shade, waiting to see what would happen to Nineveh. Then the Lord God made a plant grow up over Jonah to give him some shade so that he'd be more comfortable. Jonah was extremely pleased with the plant. But at dawn the next day, at God's command, a worm attacked the plant and it died. After the sun had risen, God sent a hot east wind, and Jonah was about to faint from the heat of the sun beating down on his head, so he wished he were dead. I am better off dead than alive, he said. But God said to him, What right do you have to be angry about the plant? Jonah replied, I have every right to be angry, angry enough to die. The Lord said to him, 
This plant grew up in one night and disappeared the next. You didn't do anything for it, and you didn't make it grow, yet you feel sorry for it. How much more then should I have pity on Nineveh, that great city? After all, it has more than 120,000 innocent children in it, as well as many animals. The Bible doesn't record how Jonah answered. The other reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. It's a well-known story, and I'll say a wee bit more about that later. The kingdom of heaven is like this, said Jesus. Once there was a man who went out early in the morning to hire some men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them the regular wage, a silver coin a day, and sent them to work in his vineyard. He went out again to the marketplace at nine o'clock and saw some men standing there doing nothing, so he told them, You also go and work in the vineyard, and I'll pay you a fair wage. So they went. Then at twelve o'clock and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. It was nearly five o'clock when he went to the marketplace and saw some other men still standing there. Why are you wasting the whole day here doing nothing, he asked them. No one hired us, they answered. Well then, you go and work in the vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the owner told his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, starting with those who were hired last and ending with those who were hired first. The men who had begun to work at five o'clock were paid a silver coin each. So when the men who were the first to be hired came to be paid, they thought they'd get more. But they too were given one silver coin each. They took their money and started grumbling against their employer. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, while we put up with a whole day's work in the hot sun. Yet you paid them the same as you paid us. Listen, friend, the owner answered one of them, I haven't cheated you. After all, you agreed to do a day's work for one silver coin. Now take your pay and go home. I want to give this man who was hired last as much as I gave you. Don't, have I, don't I have the right to do as I wish with my own money? Or is it that you are jealous because I'm generous? And Jesus concluded, So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. Amen. May God bless to us these readings from his word. A prayer before the sermon. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see you, our ears to hear you, and our hearts to follow you to the end. Amen. Do you remember those days at school when teams were picked for football or hockey or netball or rugby or whatever it was? Some of us will recall the humiliation 
of being last to be picked by a reluctant team captain who lost the toss and was lumbered with us. And perhaps some of us may remember being the first to be chosen or even being the captain and getting to choose our pals to be in the team. Not me. Now imagine the feelings that the various members of the team would have if at the end of term at the school prize giving, every member of the team got the same medal, regardless of how well they had played, how many goals they'd scored. Doesn't seem fair, does it? As a young minister, I was once asked, I can picture the scene, Market Street, St Andrews, on a sunny Friday. Somebody approached me from the congregation and said, do you request sermons? Or sorry, do you do request sermons? Um, If you like, I replied, wondering what was coming next. Well, said the man with some heat, I've always wanted to hear someone preach about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. I'm a union rep, and it seems all wrong to me. I cannot believe that Jesus was congratulating the landlord for rewarding a bunch of idle latecomers. Well, that was 45 years ago, and here I am doing it again today. And perhaps with some folks present, either here in church or online, who haven't been for a while and are maybe a little self-conscious. Don't be. This parable is for you, and it's also for everyone who attends regularly. Jesus told this story in his usual provocative way, quite deliberately, with an ending that flies in the face of all concepts of fair market economic practices. Like that union rep in St. Andrews, many people are offended by this story because it is unjust. But of course, the story is not simply about hiring casual labor. It's about God's kingdom and how we get into it. Shockingly, Jesus says, shockingly, God does not make a difference between those of us who became followers of Jesus at an early age and those of us who began to follow Jesus when we were getting on in years a little. He is just happy to see us coming, and he gives everyone the same reward, the same medal at the end of term. He offers the good news freely to everyone, whatever they've been able to contribute. You see, God is not fair. He is more than fair. And what about the story of Jonah? I have a lovely book of Bible stories for reading to children, and all the little stories are given a title, and the Jonah story is called Jonah the Groaner. And he is, from beginning to end of the four chapters. What about the story of Jonah the Groaner? We all know that he disobeyed God's command to preach to the wicked people of Nineveh. We know how he got caught up in a storm, how he was thrown overboard as a sacrifice, how he was swallowed by a large fish and coughed up on the shore he started from. And that second part of a story that we read today isn't so often told, how he gave in to God and preached to the immoral pagans of Nineveh without any hope of success. 
And then he claims that he secretly knew God was going to be very kind. And he was annoyed with God when the people of Nineveh did repent. God's grace to the people of Nineveh goes far beyond Jonah's view of what justice would require. It wasn't fair. But then, God isn't fair. He is more than fair. He is generous. Well, the argument really, of course, was about a fair day's wage for a fair day's work. In the gospel story, it's time for the grape harvest, and the grapes have to be picked in dry weather. If you want an interesting story about fruit picking by helicopter, uh, ask me or Alison later on. Naturally enough, the owner of the vineyard wants to get the grapes picked as economically as possible when they're at their best. So he goes to the market for a crew to pick up the grapes. Dawn, usually it was, very early in the morning. And who would be the first people that he chose? Back to the picking the team. He would choose those who looked the healthiest and the strongest, perhaps. Maybe it was those who managed to get to the market early in the morning because they didn't have responsibilities at home, looking after granny, getting the children ready for school and all that kind of thing. Who would be chosen later on? Maybe the single mother, the parent who had to see to the needs of her family before queuing up for work, or a disabled person who looked a bit feeble with his walking stick and would be overlooked in the first choice of pickers. Well, Jesus doesn't explain why the, worker, the owner kept going back to the market for workers. It may have been because rain was on the way. Maybe the grapes would be ruined. Maybe it was too hot and were beginning to shrivel. Or maybe he saw that the workers he had first hired, remember they complained about this, their name must have been Jonah, they complained groaning, we had to work through the hottest part of the day. They were tired. And maybe the owner thought, hmm, we're not going to get this finished if I don't get more help. But whatever the owner's reason for picking the workers, the workers were there all for the same reason. They all needed the work. They all needed a wage that was enough to live on. And the wage that was quoted in the story was indeed the standard day's wage for a casual agricultural laborer in Jesus' time. It was a bit like the minimum wage in Britain today, just enough to get by on. And I'll forgive you if you're thinking I write. The shop steward, of course, had to abide by the concept of the fair day's wage for the fair day's work. He was outraged that someone who had worked for maybe a couple of hours or even less got paid the same as someone who had been there since six o'clock in the morning. In the hot sun, too. It wasn't fair. So why did the owner pay all the workers the same amount? Was Jesus telling the story because such generosity is favoritism towards some people, the least, the less able, and the vulnerable? Remember, the daily wage was just the bare minimum. If the owner had given the latecomers 
anything less than that bare minimum wage, it would have been a death sentence. It wouldn't have kept them body and soul together. So the vineyard owner simply paid everyone what they needed to make ends meet. The owner wasn't fair. He was more than fair. He was generous. I'm not used to this preaching business. And of course the point of this is God gives us grace, not justice. Amazing grace. We get so focused on the detail of a story that we miss the parallel Jesus wants us to draw. And the parallel is that we all need forgiveness from our sins. We all need to belong to God's family. Anything less than full forgiveness is useless, as useless as a quarter of an already meager basic wage. You see the point. So whether we accept grace early or whether we accept it late, it's exactly the same product. It's full forgiveness. God offers life, life in all its fullness. He doesn't offer a partial life with an option to earn the rest by good works. In the upside-down economy of God's grace, no one is less worthy than anyone else. Everyone is offered the same salvation. If it were any other way, it wouldn't be grace, it wouldn't be love, it wouldn't be God. It's the same principle that we find in that other famous parable in Luke's Gospel, the one that we call the parable of the prodigal son. Because God loves even the most wayward of us, he is more than fair. And in that story to the Scrooge-like elder brother, are you jealous because I am generous? When we are tempted to say, it isn't fair, let's remember that our God is more than fair. So in conclusion, so what do we do with this generous life in all its fullness? Life the way God always meant it to be. It's not something that we have earned, something that we can do what we like with because it's ours. It's something to be used in the service of God through the service of others. And so the challenge might be to those laborers, what are you doing with that fair day's wage? And what are we doing with our salvation? Confession time, as one of those weedy specimens who was always the last to be picked for the rugby team. I was quite small in those days. I join those who take great comfort from God's grace. However inadequate we might feel, God loves us just as much as those we admire or wish we could match up to. And what's our attitude here in church? What about those who have no what we might call brownie points to speak of? People who appear to live lives careless of God, whom we consider less worthy citizens of the country or fringe members of the church. They are also loved by God, 
they also have the same offer of salvation whenever, if ever, they decide to take it up. God's comforting grace can also be uncomfortable when it leads us to look again at our own prejudices and our imagined superior status. But when we take the plank out of our own eye, we can begin to become welcomers, encouragers, and peacemakers. God cares far more about people than he cares about economics or grapes or rules or prestige or whatever it is we get excited about or steamed up about. Because for him, we are all VIPs to whom he gives the very best treatment. And Jesus expects us to treat others the same way. For the parable begins, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Amen. May God bless this preaching to our understanding.